Good evening, Mr. Bond fans, and welcome once again to Diminishing Returns, the podcast where three film fans review a movie before pitching their own ideas for the sequel. Today we're back on Bond with Diamonds Are Forever, Sean Connery's last official 007 film, where Bond heads to such glamorous locations as Las Vegas and the moon? Uh, This podcast contains spoilers for Diamonds Are Forever, obviously, as well as on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Enjoy! Yes, it's Diminishing Returns, and we're back on Bond this week. Uh, this is Double O Dyson, Calvin here, <laughs> and with me are Sol. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Hello. And where's Alan? Where is he? I won't ask nicely again. Oh, wait, no, that's not the quote. Uh, where's Alan? <laughs> I, I watched this film to refresh myself a bit. Like yes, like the other day, and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the start of the film where Connery's going around and he's like beating people up, and he's like, "I won't ask nicely again," and all that. Where Alan? Hello. Whoop. Right. Hello. Yep. Hello. Is right. that is that Calvin? Yes, it is. Yes. Hello, I'm picking you up here in London. Oh, great. We're oh, on a satellite okay. link. <laughs> okay. Is that is that from the film? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I'd do something not from the film, like you just did. No, that isn't the film. <laughs> uh, yes, back on the Sean Connery bonds um, again this well, week. But he left. What's happening? Yes, well, people didn't... Well, I'm not even sure if it was public reception entirely to George Lazenby. Recently, I watched a really good uh, documentary on George Lazenby and how his early life and how he got the role in Bond and stuff. It's on Amazon Prime for anyone who has it. It's called Becoming Bond. Really good. But that was, uh, it was really good preparation for this podcast, actually, to hear him kind of talk about his experiences in the role and why he left. And he didn't really enjoy the experience, it sounds, and no one else enjoyed the experience of having him around either. (laughs) So, and his agent said to him, you know what, Bond's really passe now. You're a huge movie star. You can kind of write your own paycheck. Mm. You're going to be a huge star, so just leave this franchise behind. Because it's remarkable. He filmed the entire um, of On Her Majesty's Secret Service without having signed a contract. And by the end of it, they were like, you know, you've got to sign this contract for like seven films. And he said no and walked off. (laughs) He was very annoyed with them because they asked him uh, to shave his beard during the publicity tour of Majesty's Secret Service, and he wouldn't. And he financed oh. his own publicity tour, which seems odd. The Beard Tour. The Beard Tour. The George Lazenby Beard Tour. And can you name another film that he was in? Yeah, no. Right, there. So, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, but I, I mean, can you name another film that... Pierce Brosnan was in. Yes, the Thomas Mrs. Crown Doubtfire, Tiffin, Mamma Mia, the Matador, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia Two. I mean, mo- most of these sound made the up. Ghost. I'll be honest. <laughs> the Ghost. He's in Ghost. The, the ghost. ghost. Oh, the Ghost. Oh, yeah, he plays like Tony Blair, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> so and uh, so the producers were in a bit of a pickle. They didn't have a bond. And United Artists, the studio behind the films, was basically pushing for Connery. So there was an actor 
cast in the role for Diamonds Are Forever before Connery Ooh. was brought back on board. Um, Will we, we have be able covered to guess him. who it is? We have covered him, actually, in a movie series that we covered a while back. Whether or not you can guess who it is, I... I John Hurt. Uh, no, but you got the first name right. John. John Cleese. John no. Goodman. No, no. <laughs> One of my favourite film series. John Jovovich. John Bon Jovi. Okay, from, uh, from Psycho. John... Uh... The Baptist. John... John It Lee. John Gavin. <laughs> John Gavin. The... Gary Chalk. <laughs> John Gavin, the fondly remembered uh, boyfriend of Janet Lee's character in Psycho, was cast oh. as Bond, an American. What? Yes, I know. But United Artists really pushed back against that and sort of said yes. outside Soon of Soon have a black woman in it. So... So they paid Connery the then unheard of sum of, I think it was $1.2 million. Uh, and he donated the entire sum to some like Scottish charity that he set up. <laughs> that he charity. set up. It's called Sean Connery's House Charity. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery's Golf Course in the Bahamas Charity. <laughs> yeah. So uh, amazingly, they managed to get him back. Uh... I don't know if this is a good point to start our discussion. Did you guys like him back? I think we talked about how bored and uninterested he was in You Only Live Twice. Did he improve here for you guys? Well, I wasn't bothered about him coming back, but I was very pleased with the return of Japanese Bond for a quick cameo at the start. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I mean, the, the big thing that jumped out at me at this film was... How cheap it was, and how little action there is. Mm. Um, and is that just because they had to give Sean Connery all the money that they had in the budget? I don't believe it's ever nothing been left. I don't think it's ever been officially stated, but I think we can assume that. Uh, certainly, he is the only like star name in there. I guess, like, uh, not to say that Telly Savalas and Donald Pleasance were the biggest of stars, but you know, Charles Gray, as much as I like him, is a very Curious choice to play Blofeld. They just seem to put anyone in that role. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this one has hair. (laughs) Well, I I mean, one of my notes, I think, was something like, uh, I know we say this every time, but is this the worst one yet? (laughs) So (laughs) 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 it was really shit. (laughs) Um, It it was, I mean, it was... did they make any effort with the story at all? There's, there was obviously no money. There was no, so there wasn't even the proper action scenes or those big sets or anything fancy like that. I mean, what? I what was the? Point? I've made eleven notes over the course of the entire film. I want to like point out how little this film connected with me. That this is all I took away from it. Um, and I don't remember what most of this is even referring to at this point either. So, first note, hit me, punch. Then, Bond kills a guy, drowning him in mud. Why didn't he stand up? Uh, A popular (laughs) song for some reason. I appreciate the cat. Plastic scorpion. Bond wearing fake fingerprints, for fuck's sake. Lift scene, not as good as Captain America. Individual Mm -hmm. scenes, well put together, just dull on the whole. So bland and nothingy. This film is so fucking long. And then, last of all, bomb surprise. (laughs) <laughs> oh, 
Yes. That, that's my review of the film, basically. So, uh, If we want to start at the beginning, yes. I mean, one of my notes was, this must be the worst opening of a Bond film ever. Because mm. obviously they're well known for those pre-credit sequences where they'll set up this, uh, what Bond has been up to. Mm. Uh, and this one was just a series of badly edited together things of him just jumping from one thing to another. Very, very brisk. Um, yeah. Did they not have time to write like a proper scene for all this? Uh, uh, all this exposition that we're getting? I don't know if it's exposition. I mean, it's Bond trying to follow the trail of Blofeld. And crucially, Sol pointed out earlier, the montage begins in Japan, where we last saw Connery's Bond. They don't entirely oh, yeah. retcon... George Lazenby out of the canon because you could interpret this as either well he's seeking revenge for the murder of his wife or he's just picking up from the end of you and live twice and following Blofeld around the globe um, yeah he's a globetrotter he, go, he gets all around the world, he certainly all does over the place. but I, I completely agree with what Alan was saying that this opening credit sequence is I mean it's some poor edits and then Bond drowning mm. a guy in mud it's not. It does really. It does feel really just cobbled together. It's weird. Like it, the principle, like what he's doing, I think is actually a relatively decent idea for a little pre-credits bit, mm. um, following on from the last film. But it's just put together in such a cat-handed way. It feels very much like it's edited together from deleted scenes or something. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it was crafted with the intention of being what it is, but yeah. I assume it was shot and put together like a yeah. conventional um, sequence, so it's it's odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, did I miss something when he drowns that guy in mud? Was there a, a reason why he didn't just get up? Uh, no, there it's isn't actually. Sleepy. There's some really awkward moments where, I mean, he just put a belt over him. Uh, oh, which guy are you talking about? Are you talking about the one, the first guy or the second guy? The I there's a guy in a vat of mud, right. and he's gonna like shoot Bond. Oh, he, that guy! Yeah, he like pours mud on him. It's very heavy and mud. The guy just sort of lets the mud drown him. Yeah, he can't stand up in it. It's too slippy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sorry, yeah. I, uh, and then he, um, I was thinking about Blofeld, but Blofeld doesn't really go into the mud. Blofeld goes into sort of molten rock or something. I don't know. Uh, did you guys have any opinions on this Blofeld? He's he's kind of notorious as um, the crap one among Bond fans. I really like him because he? he's campy and silly, and it's bizarre that Blofeld is now this sort of tall, refined English gentleman mm. when we've been used to... Well, in the previous one he was American, but I think everyone always thinks of this character as having some sort of vaguely Eastern European accent. Yeah. I enjoyed his, his cat. I thought there was a lot of good cat action in this one. That so it's probably is, my favourite rend- probably my favourite rendition of Blofeld so far, purely for the cat. <laughs> I don't know. I, pre- I still prefer the one where the cat goes fucking mental because there's explosions <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> hmm. Of course, there is some cat action in this one later on when Bond kicks the cat to see which Blofeld it runs to because Blofeld is, of course, uh, well, not cloning himself, but giving his uh, underlings plastic surgery to look like Which him. Which is one of the, the most unrealistic things that's ever happened in a James Bond film. The notion that a cat would be emotionally invested in a human <laughs> being to the point that it would run over to it after being kicked. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to say the plastic surgery then. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the twist that they've just got multiple cats. I like that every version of Blofeld is assigned a cat. You need to bond with this cat. (laughs) Bond? Did you say bond? Oh no, that's my trigger. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have the, uh, the main title song, which Sol alluded to he didn't like very much. I mean, it's... It's fine. It's just like it's just that's one of the few Bond songs that's kind of taken on a life of its own outside of the Bond franchise, and mm. I don't really know why that's the one that's always sampled in hip hop songs and stuff. Well, I guess it's because it's going on about bling, isn't it? It's just. <laughs> but, uh... I I do think that this song is one of the reasons why people remember this one more than a lot of the others, and why people think that they like it, and I'm talking about just general movie fans, Uh, because it is one where I think if you asked a a random person on the street to name five Bond films, this would probably be one of them. I did pick up on that actually, because when I was watching this I was thinking, I don't None of this rings any bells. I don't think I know any of it. Mm-hmm. And none of it is even like, oh, I've seen that bit in Austin Powers where they do that. It's like, this seems like the least referenced Bond film that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, because nothing happens in it. And um, yeah. and that sort of struck me as well. Because I always thought, oh yeah, Diamonds are Forever, I know that one. Yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. That that was that was my biggest problem with it, really. Was that it was just so un, unmemorable. Just nothing really... Nothing really happened, and what yeah. did happen was just stuff that we've seen done better, like four or five times at this point. So I guess did you have much to say? Because this whole next chunk of the film is a lot of exposition about diamond mines in South Africa and dentists and these diamonds being passed <laughs> around a load of people, and each one is being bumped off along the way. Uh, yeah, I think at one point it even repeated itself. Uh, like the guy who was kind of doing all the exposition, he said something and then he basically said exactly the same thing again to reiterate it. I was like, what? did I imagine that? Or I, I think, but- I'm not sure if this is the exact line, but is it something about uh, trusting their workers? It's like a gag because yeah, we're on screen, bit, yeah. we're seeing, you know, people smuggling diamonds and stuff and this diamond expert is going on about like how, oh, the company can really ensure the trust of its workforce. And of course, yeah, I didn't like, know if that was supposed to be sarcastic or what, because he was going on about the security. Mm. But then he was saying they trusted them. And I mm. couldn't tell if that was a joke. Yeah, I, I, I was always confused about the opening part of this film for a while because they have this dentist who's... These miners are putting the diamonds into their mouths and then the dentist <laughs> is finding them. And at first I thought, okay, the dentist is scuppering the workers. But then I think yeah. the workers... They're supposed to do that because he gives them money and it's all very confusing. One thing that I was questioning immediately here was like... Oh, we're supposed to be on the side of the diamond companies, like one of the most famously corrupt and despicable industries in the world. <laughs> like exploit uh, workers in Africa and hoard diamonds to drive up the price. Uh, just the, did nobody know that in nineteen sixty nine? Whatever this is, <laughs> seventy one. So around about this point, we are introduced to Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, and I'm curious to know what you two think oh! of these henchmen. I completely forgot about them. Uh, <laughs> and well, no, they were probably my favourite element of the film. <laughs> I think they're great. Um, I thought they were shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I thought they were sort of like... It felt like people trying to be quirky and not... 
yeah. like knowing why or how. It's Crispin also, Glover's dad. He doesn't yes. even try. <laughs> oh, yes. But, um, it, they, they were a real life raft for me of just something to latch onto in this film yeah. to kind of enjoy. So, like, they were fine, but I do feel like what they were going for could have been done a lot better. Mm. Well, a part, part of my problem was I had no idea whose side they were on mm. um, until well, well into the... I'm not even sure now, to be honest with you. Um, but they were... And, and this was a problem with the film all the way through. I didn't know who was double-crossing who, who mm. was on whose side, because they were smuggling diamonds out, but then were they stop, trying to stop it or were they trying to keep it going? Because they, would... they were killing the people who were doing the smuggling, Yeah, but they were letting the diamonds get out. Mm. Um and I guess they were there. They were getting them to Blofeld. I guess that was the idea. Yeah, yeah. And but they're why, just erasing the just... trail along the way. But why did they kind of keep passing them? Why didn't they just take them and kill the guy? Why did they then pass them on to the next person so they can kill them? It's a good question. I don't know what any of it was about. <laughs> Plus, then they disappear for a good long time because I put at some point what happened to the, that gay couple who were killing everyone. Mm. They disappeared. And mm. then... They sort of turn up back right at the end just for a little coda to bomb Supreme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they kind of got it's forgotten my, about in the way. Is my plastic scorpion note to do with them? Yeah, they, they kill someone with a scorpion. Yeah, the dentist they put it down his the back of his thing. There's a, there's a it, deleted yeah. scene or altered scene, I guess. In the original version, they put it in his mouth, and it's on the DVD, and it's uh, it was deemed to be too horrific. So they, but interestingly, this is one of the few early Bond films that the BBFC here in England reclassified from a PG to a twelve, specifically for one bit of violence, and it was the bit when Connery removes that woman's bra at the start of the film and then proceeds to strangle her with it. That was deemed too much. I was going to make a joke about the violence being Bond, like beating up a woman, and I thought, no, I'll leave it. I I hit that note. I hit that button quite a lot in these Bond episodes. and uh, <laughs> Well, he does it again uh, later on. Uh, uh, glove slaps a woman. Something else I'd like to bring up here was that uh, particularly egregious examples in this Bond film of horrible character names. Hmm. Um, the funeral director's called Morton Slumber, <laughs> yeah. which is just no effort whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we've and we've discussed this before, one of the Bond girls is called Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. I'd just like to reiterate, Plenty is not a name. It doesn't <laughs> sound like a name. It's not a pun on a common name. Mm. It is not a name. And therefore, that joke does not work. It's just someone with a silly, dirty name. Is Elon a name? <laughs> <laughs> is it's it a really? more of a villain name, really. <laughs> um, I mean, doesn't Plenty O'Toole basically mean lots of cock anyway? That's... Isn't that what you'd give a a Bond, like a Bond boy? That's the joke, named after your father, perhaps. Oh, okay. It took me a long time to get that. Like, (laughs) I I I never really understood it when I was like nine or eight first watching this, but now. (laughs) But yeah, we have Plenty O'Toole and Tiffany Case is the main Bond girl in this. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because it's diamonds, right? They sell diamonds. Yes, right? yes, exactly. Uh, don't exactly. they explain that, though? Don't they explain that? Like, she was like, oh, my mother was, like, obsessed with the company. Or something like, oh, I was, I was conceived on the shop floor or something like that. Something like that. Um, they do kind of go to some effort to, re- to re- explain why she's got a silly name. But, to be fair, Tiffany, that's a name. Yeah. Case <laughs> is an acceptable <laughs> surname. 
Yeah. So as stupid names go, that's all right. <laughs> Plenty is not a name. Pussy is not a name. <laughs> how um how did we feel about Tiffany Case played by Jill St. John, this film's main Bond girl? She's uh, one of my um favorites actually. I really really like this one. I cannot remember her whatsoever. I'm, I'm going to Google image her to jog my memory. Just to let the listener behind the curtain here, we, we were going to record this about a week ago and we, we got delayed. So I watched this film over a week ago and now I can't remember anything about it. <laughs> so I'm struggling with the details. Hmm. There's like a really like details. broad American She's the co-star. Oh, see, I was looking at these pictures and thinking I cannot remember her whatsoever. But You're then... actually looking at a picture of a Tiffany case. <laughs> I don't remember case. this sort of silver box. No, but box. The, the 14th picture is her sort of bent over that um, tape oh, deck when that. she puts a cassette tape oh, like, yeah. down yeah. her pants and it's jogged my memory. Showing a bit more oh, cheek yeah. than usual. She had a bit of personality and stuff, so it was a bit better yeah, than most she, of them. She felt very much like the same as the last one who had a bit of personality to me. The feist, yeah, the the one he married, the sort of feisty. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think Jill St. John is as good an actress as Diana Rigg, but I think when you compare it to a lot of the early Connery ones, then yes, this one has personality. She's got feist. Mm. She speaks English. She just, <laughs> she just struck me as the same character again. It just seemed like, oh shit, we shouldn't have killed that character off. I don't think we, she's. How can we bring back the same exact? I don't think she's person. the same exact. I mean, Tracy was going through, you know, mental health issues, uh, and she was the daughter of a rich crime lord. This lady is a sort of a crass American smuggler. I I feel like, like Han Solo. If you told me the script was originally written with them thinking that she wasn't going to die at the end of the previous one and she was just going to be a sidekick mm. in the next film and then they had to kind of do a hasty little control F like search and replace rewrite I'd totally mm. buy it. Mm. But are we ready to move to Vegas? Um no, well, it's a bit a bit of a commitment, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where most of the action of the film takes place. I think that this choice of location uh, does a lot to contribute to the cheap aesthetic of the film. <laughs> it has a very sort of seedy quality to it, especially Vegas around this time, which was I guess before a lot of the more modern hotels went up that tried to give some kind of luxurious uh, atmosphere. This just looks sort of horrible, sleazy. I I feel like you could do that in a cinematic way, though. I, mm. I feel like this film doesn't really... You know, like, Casino, the film, is very yeah. big feeling and cinematic and... Well, I, I, yeah, I, I agree, actually. Vegas feels very, very small in this mm. film. Did, did they actually... Did, did they actually film it in Vegas? Oh, did yeah. Because yeah. it feels very much like a lot of interiors are just um, a, well, a studio lot or something. Yeah, a lot of the interiors will have been filmed elsewhere, but uh, mm. all the ex- exterior stuff was yeah. in Vegas. To Alan's point earlier on about the action in the film as well, I think the car chase through Vegas is quite possibly oh, one yeah. of the worst car chases I've ever seen on film. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's very lethargic, very slow. There's this one prolonged shot. It's just a static, like, wide shot of the uh, cars going around in a car park, and it's all been choreographed, obviously, so they're smashing into each other and stuff, but the camera just remains static. It never cuts closer, and it's just it's very dull. 
and they have a crap sheriff in this one. Next week we'll <laughs> we'll have a great sheriff introduced into the series, but this one is uh, quite poor. Probably the uh, weakest of the James Bond sheriffs. <laughs> of which there are surprisingly, yeah, quite a few actually. <laughs> really, I I can only think of the good one. Well, yeah, yeah, all the other ones are. Poor. <laughs> there's another one in a view to a kill. Um, there's another sequence that I would like to get your guys' opinions on uh, in this whole Las Vegas section. The uh, the moon landing bit. Does that ring any oh, bells? Well, <laughs> my, I, I did make a forgot. note here. I said, if, if they're trying to do something where they're faking the moon landing, why have they got a moon buggy that looks less convincing than something out of Doctor <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I, I just yeah. remember being really confused that they were all moving in slow motion when they were, like, trying to stop him and stuff. So that yes. they wouldn't break character. Yeah, also. they never break character. It was Daniel Day-Lewis and Christian Bale playing the astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a weird little thing to drop in as a comedy bit. I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's going to go somewhere like, oh, this, they're... That's part of Blofeld's thing. He's faking the moon landings or something. But it never came back. So it's it's just a bit of a gag then, I suppose. It just seems like an excuse to get Connery in a moon buggy contraption. And I I, I don't know why that would, why anyone would have thought, oh, this is exactly what this film needs. Uh, Because it's what he used to do. They're they're getting Bond into classic situations. They're they're bringing it back to the standards of the wonder years. (laughs) Yes. Topical, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently they couldn't get a picture of a real moon buggy to make it look like anything like it. <laughs> so, you know, it's not even that hard. You can pretty much you can pretty much use a golf cart, take the top off a golf cart, and it'd look more convincing <laughs> than, than what they had. It wouldn't have been difficult. <laughs> Connery would have loved that. Could just ride it straight <laughs> to the course after the filming. Does that, does that mean, actually... That in the James Bond universe, it's canon that the moon landing was faked, and so like James Bond and that lot are the only people who've actually ever gone to space. Um, has Bond ever gone to space? Yes, you've seen the film. He gets picked up by a, a big not. spaceship at one point, like by Blofeld. So, does that mean that officially no one's ever gone to space in James, or gone to the moon in James um, Bond? Well, they could, they could no. have been just shooting a little film or something. Just... In Goldfinger, they say man has sent rockets to the moon, but I guess that was even before the moon landing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because it, I mean, that paints a it paints a different picture about the government Bond's working for in like <laughs> Casino well, Royale and stuff. Doesn't he's it? working for the British government, who were ah, quite possibly yeah. equally as duped by this nefarious scheme. Yeah, I suppose so. I've got another note here which I'd like to bring up. It says, mm. uh, "It just says, don't worry, I've got my radiation shield lapel badge." <laughs> um, so, is that a good radiation shield? Just a little badge you put on you? <laughs> is that is that Very legitimate science? <laughs> is that the bit? I where feel Connery... like some sort of suit would be in order, like a full. Hazmat suit. <laughs> Is that the bit when Connery's impersonating Klaus Hergesheimer and he's yes. milling about the yeah just before the moon buggy bit yeah and it, but he's going around giving people these little pin badges because yeah. they're they're radiation shields 
He's like, oh, you need a radiation shield badge. <laughs> it was a simpler time. We didn't know. <laughs> uh, I, do, I, do, I do really like those moments, actually, in this film where Connery has to impersonate... You know, he's not Bond. He's like... Earlier on, he does it in Amsterdam where he does a stupid accent. And he's like, hello, I am English. And it's just weird hearing <laughs> Connery... Try. Oh no, I can Trying speak English. That's it. No. Oh, ding dong. Oh, it's Dutch Bond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello, boys. Hello, boys. This is a Dutch Scottish accent. <laughs> hello, Dutch Bond. Uh, do you want to smoke in a pancake? Oh no, it's the wrong answer. <laughs> what do I know about the Netherlands? Uh, oh, that's tulips. A, that's, that's a nice uh, tulip you've got for us there, uh, Dutch Bond. Oh, there's very many, many more from there where they come from in the Netherlands. Do those do those shoes give your feet adequate support? They look very um, hard. Yeah, they are very awkward to wear and uh, very painful. I'm Polish Bond now. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, th- thanks, Dutch Piss Bond. Off. We'll see you later, maybe. See you, yeah, bye. Right, it's oh, nice. So I have a I have like a serious narrative question to ask you guys around about this point because okay. uh, Tiffany Case turns up at her house and Bond is there and there is a woman who has been weighed down at the bottom of the pool. Did oh, you yeah. get who that was? He, only because he went oh poor plenty she's uh, been drowned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something like that. But he yeah. basically said the name otherwise I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked up on it. Yeah. I don't know why she was there. It was like, oh, you, oh, there's a girl I shagged a couple of nights ago. She's dead. Again, that's all like deleted stuff, which really should have been in here, because otherwise it is like, uh, why would this woman be at this other woman's home? But yeah, there was deleted material where she snuck back up to the room after they chucked her out of the window, saw Bond with Tiffany, got pissed off, looked up Tiffany's address, and then was going to go and confront her. And then when she got to her house, Wint and Kid were there, and they thought that she was Tiffany, so that's why she ends up in the pool. Yeah, you've just reminded me of something, the whole Plenty of Tools story, where she she doesn't even get to shag him because they throw her out of a window. Yeah. But she is um, like a high-class prostitute in a casino. Mm. She sees he's spending money. And go, like, is that Bond girls now? He's not charming them anymore. He just picks up prostitutes in casinos. Is that... That sounds like Dutch Bond to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's a terrible stereotype. (laughs) That that was pretty good, actually. As an accent, I thought that was... (laughs) Well, implying it wasn't good before. (laughs) No, no, no. Implying it's too good to be Sean Connery doing (laughs) the accent. Oh, yeah, sorry. But Dutch Bond's actually Dutch, so I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay, just like Japanese Bond is actually Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, she, she is supposed to be a prostitute. I'm not just making that up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or uh, if she's not a prostitute, she's... I, I don't know, uh, yeah, one of those, like, uh, well, I don't know what you call them. Girls that like men with money. Floozy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gold digger. <laughs> gold digger, that's it. Um, gold but Yeah, digger. yeah, maybe she's not, she's not literally... <laughs> <laughs> What's the next line? <laughs> she's the woman with the... T- I can't think, no. Plenty of tools. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she's... 
Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she's not literally going, oh, give me this much money, I'll suck you off. But she is like, oh, you're rich, <laughs> why don't we sleep together? Yeah, um, pretty much. So I guess, uh, yeah, which is fair enough. That's how you want to live your life. Mm. Um, throw her out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a load of stuff here where um, there's this, like, Howard, Howard Hawks-type character who is running yeah. the casino, but it ends up being Blofeld and... Yeah, Blofeld's uh, been doubling up himself. And... Well, I I kind of stopped making notes after a while. My last note was Christ Blofeld in drag, uh, so oh, yes! that's when I stopped making notes. I forgot he, about Blofeld. He escaped in drag. by by putting on a dress and walking out. <laughs> I love that bit. I think uh, that's why I love this Blofeld because no other Blofeld would be able to do that if Donald Pleasant. Yeah, Telly Telly Savalas wouldn't have done. That. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's what See, I like about this one. It's like, yep, he's going to go there. The actor has no vanity. He's just going to... Yeah, yeah. Donald Pleasant's bluffer, like, if he was going to dress as a woman, he'd have to be like a little old woman with a shawl. <laughs> like, oh, just going on. Uh, because he, he couldn't do tall, kind of leggy, blonde, like uh, what this guy does. What's Charles guy? Gray. Yeah. Charles Gray. Take a mm-hmm. jump to the left. And a step to the uh, right. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so that happens just after Sean Connery. No, not Sean Connery. James Bond kicks a cat, kills <laughs> kills a Blofeld, but not the other one. And then we find out that <laughs> he's been imitating people's voices. Yes. Um, and so then we know that this the other guy who runs the company has actually been held hostage in a luxurious cliffside apartment with two models. Yes. Bambi and Thumper. <laughs> I think if, I think most people remember this scene from this film. I'm talking about like casual moviegoers. I think this is the iconic scene from Diamonds Are Forever, where Connery is fighting off these two incredibly athletic, incredibly beautiful women. Yeah, it's not the best fight ever because it's just them kind of oh flippy flip 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 flip, and then right we have to have a bit of physical here. And you're a woman, so I'm not allowed to hit you. <laughs> so I just like, push uh, you away I don't think that ever stopped Connery before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if he's not, yeah, but that's sexual hitting. That's different. That's true. Actually, uh, he can only really hit them. He never engages them in combat. It's just if he thinks they're acting up. Give them a <laughs> yeah, if they just need a, you know, a little need a total, total lesson. <laughs> only with an open hand. Yes, yes, very important. Um, <laughs> you try so- to give her the last word. so it is a bit disappointing how the fight ends by him just basically holding them underwater (laughs) as if these incredibly gymnastic talented women who were running rings around him couldn't just like swim away (laughs) the water is their one weakness they never learn to swim like cats Pussy galore. Cats can cats can swim. Yeah, but they don't they like, don't it. like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You put a cat down there, they'd be out of the water like that. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's so where to put them in a sack first <laughs> with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this uh, this all kind of builds up to the climax of the film, which takes place on an oil rig. Uh, oh Christ! Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a they, bit of, there's a bit yeah. of behind the scenes stuff oh, I about did read this. Oh, about the how the assistant director um, turned on the explosions 
and the cameras <laughs> weren't rolling. He turned them on Whoops. for the rehearsal and not for the final shot. So that's why we don't have many good shots of the oil rig blowing up. They had this whole elaborate setup and then they set off all the explosions and blew yeah. it up in the rehearsal. So then they didn't have anything used. Yeah, there was there was like one camera on a helicopter <laughs> which was rolling, so they just kind of used that. And then there were a lot of clumsy inserts of like a guy jumping over a wall and a bit of fire coming up behind him. Like, oh! Some footage from the A-team of a helicopter <laughs> blowing up. He <laughs> <laughs> just sort of descends into this big sort of like, he gets Blofeld on a crane. Oh, and yeah. smashing him into a wall. Yeah, it's Blofeld's not... like going, stop it! <laughs> stop it! <laughs> this is very annoying. <laughs> it is... That scene is far too long, and the crane, because Blofeld's in his batho sub, as it's called. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a nautical term for what it is or, or what, but yeah, he's sort of bashing the batho sub against the side of the control room, and Blofeld's just going, Stop it, you fool. Lower, not up, and all these crap lines. It's not a very good scene. This is the last official. Uh, Blofeld portrayal in the official series um, until, well, Spectre. Um, not really a great end for him. We'll see. We'll see a bald-headed, wheelchair-bound, cat-stroking maniac in a future Roger <laughs> Moore film. But for legal reasons, that is not Blofeld. Um, uh, is is there like a in the James Bond world, is there like an Arkham Asylum where all the, the <laughs> supervillains get put at the end in between adventures? Well, most of them die. But not all of them. But um, but yeah, because Blof- they leave Blofeld's exit kind of ambiguous, I think, here. I mean, were either, did either of you think he was dead or he was just going to come back? Well, I was convinced he was dead in the opening scene and that he wouldn't be in this film. <laughs> Like mm. always when they kill someone in the opening scene. At least he wasn't Bond for once. <laughs> mm. What happens to him at the end? I can't even remember. Oh, they... Bathosub him and... Does he yeah. blow up or does he die? I can't remember. Well, they crash the sub into the control panel and the control room like blows up. But the th- we don't get like a shot of him being engulfed in flames or anything like... It mm. is just left open-ended. And I don't know if that was a conscious choice... Um, just sloppy. I'm sure it was. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not convinced. Um, I love the bit when uh, Bond is operating the crane and Tiffany comes up with a gun and she's like, "Here!" and he's like, "No, you use it. Shoot him!" And then she <laughs> shoots the gun and it like bounces her off the end of the oil rig into the water. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Is that the bit where he turns around and looks and goes, "Ah, oh, silly woman, and then just carries on? Yeah, because he's like, okay, jump, and then he looks and she's already gone, and then he just looks exasperated. Bomb surprise. Yes, Winton Kid reappear. As the, as the hench people often do in these Bond films, they often pop up for a little coder at the end. Yeah, should have been during the end credits, this. <laughs> but why? Because it, it was just so disjointed from everything else. It didn't... The film ended, and then there was just this bullshit with like James Bond getting room service, and I was like, oh. <laughs> like if it had been in in the cinema, I would have been like out the door. So they should have just made it a little treat for fans. Hmm. Mm. Why were they? Why did they want to kill him? Revenge. Did, did they, 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 and they just they just hired mercenaries <laughs> doing a job. 
Yeah, but maybe they really liked Blofeld. <laughs> we don't know because we never get a scene of them with Blofeld. That's what I guess maybe that's why they feel like such separate entities because mm. we never really have a scene of them with anyone that matters until the mm. ending. Maybe they were paid in advance and they're just like professionals, men of their word. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, did I did I miss something? Because. One of them lights some kebabs on fire, yes. and then just sort of runs over to Bond and just catches on fire and like dies. Yeah. No, Bond throws Bond didn't, wine didn't on him. Think, think it through, and he was going, "I know, I'll set the kebabs on fire and throw them at him." Because <laughs> it it it, it seemed as though this like meant to be a bit where Bond sort of does something to make him catch fire properly, but I, I missed Yeah, he, he throws his drink over him. I guess it must be a very potent wine. Right, I just... Yeah. I'm not even sure if wine would set a light No, like it that. wouldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I, that's why I didn't realise that was meant to be the... Yeah, I can't remember what the thing. liquid is exactly, but he picks something up on the table and chucks it at him, and then he engulfs in flames. It's lighter fluid, shaken, not stirred. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the the uh. other one gets the bomb like strapped up between his balls, and he has to have a ooh like <laughs> smile at that because that's funny, I guess, in the seventies. Um, this is a good question at this point. Actually, um, are they supposed to be gay, or is just sort of like infer oh, yeah. it? Or oh no, it definitely. To be? Is that as obvious as they were allowed to be in nineteen seventy one? Well, I mean, they hold hands and. There's, like, lines between them, and they're sort of effeminate. Uh, I don't think holding hands means you're gay. Okay. Holding hands with another man, Sol. If you know (laughs) know, a better way of exchanging protein strings. (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's a line earlier on where one of them says, oh, that Miss Case is really quite attractive. For a lady. For a woman. (laughs) And the other one, like, looks at him like, ooh. Like, what are you doing? You're getting curious on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but you know what while this is not an, an entirely positive portrayal of homosexuality on screen and I don't mean that from like a, I, I think that you know gay people can still be villains on screen um, I, I don't think it's as bad as it could be no I mean the, the, time. the, the fact yeah. that they're killers has got nothing to do with them being gay mm, mm. Um, and they seem to have the you know wholesome relationship between them if and if they kill people yeah and they're the best part of the film as well so yeah uh, yeah I quite agree I, I do love them um, there's just I suppose there's just that bit at the end that annoys me when the one gets the bomb in between his legs and he does the ooh <laughs> uh, it just yeah yeah but who would plus Plus, it's a stereotype that gay people are like able to make fabulous desserts. <laughs> yeah, not the best Bond. Oh, uh, you know what? I I don't mind it, and I think it does have a special place in my heart because it was the second one that I ever saw after Moonraker. Uh, I I think it's it's an enjoyable, watchable, fun. In places, but it can't get over have, the fact that we have a very that... different definition of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it can't get over its uh, cheap sort of slapdash feel and lethargic action sequences. But I, I, there's enough in here that I find funny and amusing. I really like Winton Kid. I think Connery's performance is a step up from Young Live Twice. I like the Bond girls. There's enough in here for me to get a lot of enjoyment and a good time. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well, shit. I'm looking at my ranking. 
to remind myself of where I place it. And what what number Bond film is this one? Number seven in the official series. Okay, so I I put this one slap bang in the middle of the Bond films to date, so oh. it's not the worst by my count. Could you refresh our memories of your your ranking so far? Uh, Thunderball at the bottom. Mm, quite right. That 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 is just the worst. Um, then I've got on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which oh. I remember being better than this. You know, I think I updated this as I went along, but I haven't updated it to put Diamonds Are Forever like second to the bottom, <laughs> which I probably need to do. Um, but I, yeah, I've got on her, her on Her Majesty's Secret Service, then from Russia with Love, and then this one. Oh, and then above it, I've got You Only Live Twice, uh, uh, Goldfinger, and Doctor No. Hmm. Okay. So, Alan, rating out of ten for this. I gave this one four. Oh, okay. It's a seven from me. Soul? Five. Okay. Not not the worst score we've had for a Bond film. Shall we uh, give our pitches as to how we would continue with uh, the series after Diamonds Are Forever? I'll go first if no one else wants to. I don't mind. Go for it. Okay. Sean Connery's coming back, and it's, it's not going to cost too much, because he's, he's doing it. He's doing it for the because he thinks it's a good script <laughs> for the love of the craft. <laughs> uh, good one. <laughs> actually, actually, this is going to be quite a cheap Bond film comparatively, so it doesn't matter. And, okay. and you know what? Actually, let's say this is now. Let's have an aged Sean Connery in this one. <laughs> okay. I've changed my mind. So we've got 89-year-old Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. Out of retirement for one last Bond. <laughs> um... And he, he's he's an aging secret agent, but he's also like an international celebrity, as we <laughs> as we saw in Diamonds. Everyone knows who he is. They're always going on about you know, oh that's James Bond. Oh, wow, <gasps> you killed James Bond. Oh no, not James Bond because they all know who he is. <laughs> um, Until he goes, oh I'm I'm Steve Heigerschmiger. It's nice to meet yeah. you. <laughs> but he's I getting speak on a bit English. now. He- <laughs> He's getting on a bit now, so he, he goes um, he goes to Tokyo to do an advert for uh, Suntory whiskey, uh, which is you know one of those international Japanese adverts. Um, international in the sense that they get like an American or something to come and do it. But you know that Sean Connery actually did Japanese those, market. did he? Yeah, that's what the whole Bill Murray thing was based on in Lost in oh, Translation. Yeah. Connery went over to I... Japan and did these whiskey adverts. Uh, I thought it seemed like a good fit. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, they 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 basically they figure that with Bond being fluent in Oriental languages, he'll have no trouble <laughs> staying in Japan for an extended period as he's the uh, company spokesperson for a bit uh-huh. during this campaign. And uh, so each day he encounters this alluring Japanese man in the hotel. Yeah, one day they strike up a conversation with each other. The Japanese man turns to him and says, I like a man with good taste. That looks like a glass of the best sake available from the look of it. I can tell you're drinking it at the correct 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit temperature. <laughs> and, uh, that's, and that's, they... Just to be clear, that's the Japanese person talking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> good accent. And so, yeah, they're bonding over this. What? what? Uh, this James stuff. bonding. Yeah. And... Uh, as we know, Bond swings both ways, so there's a yeah, definite spark between yeah, them. Yeah, famous mm. for it. 
<laughs> He's a sex pest. <laughs> and um, anyway, the the alluring Japanese man staying at the same the same hotel casino as Bond, because uh, that's just what these guys do. They just sort of hang out in casino hotels, and um, they're both suffering from major disillusionment and isolation in Japan because. Although the um, Japanese man is native, and although Bond is is fluent in Oriental languages, they're not actually very good at speaking Japanese. <laughs> uh, and and so they sort of spend a romantic night frolicking around, going to like pachinko houses and eating ramen and doing the karaoke and um, paying Japanese schoolgirls to like accompany them along the way. <laughs> and, and then they they gate they crash, crash a party and juice do the washing up. And go, no one will believe you. <laughs> and uh, is they, this something that basically... Bill Murray actually did? <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Oh okay. Oh man, Bill Murray is famous for like weird shit like that. Oh, okay. There's like video footage. Oh no, was it photographs? There's a load of um, visual evidence from Bill Murray being in a bar one night, and he just got bored and went behind the bar and started serving people drinks and like. <laughs> Taking their money, pouring them drinks, putting it in the till—it's just, just what he does. Hmm. So yeah, they they fall in love, and it's very sweet. And on the penultimate night before he's due to return, uh, Bond shags the the hotel bar's female jazz singer, um, and she is called. Do you want to take a stab at her name? Um, uh, jazz uh, jazz swallows. No. Uh, mm. Shirley Bassey? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm pleased with this. Okay, she's called Miyuki Fanny. <laughs> God. Um, then anyway, the the alluring Japanese man comes to his room the next morning to invite him for lunch to say goodbye, but overhears the woman in the room, and they end up having a bit of an argument over lunch. Uh, later that night, Bond orders some kebabs to his room, and the guy, <laughs> the guy brings them in, just sort of sets on fire, and, like burns to death for no reason, and uh, the fire alarm sets off. So uh, Bond and the Japanese man reconcile outside during the the sort of fire assembly, and uh, anyway, then they go to the airport, and the Japanese man sees Bond off. Uh, before they leave, they embrace. Bond whispers something in the Japanese man's ear. Uh, we don't know what he says, but I'm sure it's just perfect. And, uh, then they share a kiss and depart. And, Get uh, yourself that... checked for herpes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the end. And, and then in the end credits, we've got James Bond. Sorry, Japanese Bond will return in. And I've got some. I've got some film ideas for you here. Oh god! I don't know if you want to help me with these. <laughs> We've got Dr. Nononoki. Okay. Die another spirited away. These aren't um, ideas so much as their titles, really. But... Yeah, James Bond will return in. Casino Battle Royale. Oh, very good. Yeah. The Ring Daylights. <laughs> Octopussy versus Godzilla. <laughs> Grave of the Live and Let Dies. Oh I've, yes, I put, I put Pokemon Raker, but I don't understand what I was doing. <laughs> Moonraker. No, I know, but how does that relate Pokemon to Pokemon? Raker. Pokemon, Pokemon Raker. Raker. Oh, I get it. 
Uh, Spectre in the shell. Oh, good. Yep. My neighbour, the man with the golden gun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Alan, I guess. Do you want to go next? or? Yeah, yeah, we'll let Calvin go last. Well, I've... Uh... I've uh, take I took on board that it was they didn't have any money uh, <laughs> because they spent it all on Sean Connery's hairpiece. So I've come up with <laughs> something that we can do on a low budget. So um, I'm trying to do a bottle episode Bond film as much as you can, <laughs> but it's a bit too big for that. But uh, so we start with Bond. Um, he realizes that now that most of the world's diamonds are in space, I guess this is a direct sequel. Then uh, now that most of the world's diamonds are in space. Uh, De Beers are hoarding all the rest to up the What price. are De Beers? De Beers are a diamond company that, ah. um, are uh, hoarding all the diamonds. Ah. Uh, so he realises that we- the wedding ring he gave to his dead wife uh, when he was Australian is now much more valuable. And so... <laughs> <laughs> but obviously she was buried with it on. Uh, so... <laughs> After getting drunk to, to block out the emotional trauma of what he's going to do, he, he digs up the grave to retrieve the ring. But he's caught in the act. <clears throat> he's arrested and convicted of grave... Oh, this is very disappointing. I was hoping it was going to be he, like, falls in and gets stuck in a coffin underground. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been a good, good low-budget idea, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, he's, he's caught digging up the the cars and uh, he's arrested. He's convicted of grave robbing and necrophilia. Yeah. So now this becomes the James Bond prison movie, which means we can keep it all in one is prison that... set and keep it cheap. Has that ever happened? Bond in Has a there prison? ever been a yeah, but like where a, the bulk of the film is Bond in a prison, like he's infiltrating it. Or, oh no, no. Or um. No, you've no, got to go it all just seems the world, like something they would have done by it's now. It's too, it's too small. You have a scene in a prison. He, oh, he has to get out oh, of prison. Good prison infiltration. No, I Great. mean he was a prisoner in North Korea, but uh, this is so. Now we're uh, in the Bond prison movie. So when he gets to prison, Bond discovers that some of the other Bond regulars are also in prison for various reasons, <laughs> uh, just coincidentally. And so the rest of the film. What's is... he in prison for? Uh, grave robbing and necrophilia. Keep up. Hasn't he got a license to necrophil? Uh. So, so the rest. <laughs> so the rest of the film is like basically we want to get all the classic Bond elements, but it's within the confines of a prison. So uh, feel free to throw some more in because I've I've got some, but I'm sure there's Bond things that I haven't thought of. So well, Money Penny was fiddling a tax return. Well, there's going to be a bond. I've got um, a problem with a bond bottom bitch. Oh yeah, well, I'll, I'll come to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a bit of a problem with Money Penny because it's a, me- a men's prison. Oh, so good I couldn't point. Really get yes. her in, but mm. maybe um, she's dressed as a man or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe the men's prison is built next to the women's prison, and they like talk through the the yeah. fence. <laughs> but so I've got. Um, M is there. He's the daddy of the wing. He runs everything from his cell. Right. Uh, so, so you know, first thing, Bond has to go and see him, get some mission from him. Um, and he's probably got his cell, like, with nice pine panelling, with library books <laughs> everywhere. Um, uh, so his mission is that he has to infiltrate Sea Wing and find out who's running their hooch production. Uh, because, you know, it's common knowledge in the prison. Sea Wing has the finest hooch in the whole prison. Uh, so they want to get it for themselves. And we know Bond is an alcohol connoisseur, as nah. he keeps doing. And so, you know, we could have a scene where 
he he'll drink some and go, oh yeah, she's just from uh, uh, D Wing uh, last Thursday's vintage. Uh, yes, uh, I remember <laughs> something like I that. Can't wait! I can't wait until Q equips him with a shank and some knuckle dusters. Oh, 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 to... oh, oh. Ne- next paragraph. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. He, he goes to see Q, who has obviously got some gadgets available, and like, now pay attention, 007. This may look like an ordinary toothbrush, but it's actually got a razor blade melted into the bristles. So if anyone tries anything, you can cut their face open. <laughs> This this may look like an ordinary edition of the Sunday Mirror, but it can actually be used as a makeshift armor. Simply wrap it around your body, (laughs) and it will give you a small amount of protection from being shanked. (laughs) Because he doesn't use the Sunday Mirror, he uses the Telegraph instead, because he's classy Bond. Uh, I want a car chase sequence, of course. We haven't got any cars, so I thought... (laughs) We could do it. You know those little trolleys they use to push like library books about. <laughs> <laughs> like you get two of those with someone pushing Bond on one and someone pushing a bad guy on the other, uh, and they have to do kind of like maybe they can hit each other with a broom or something or a mop. <laughs> so I don't know something like that. <laughs> Throw books at each other. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have your Bond girls, of course. Uh, prison rules, so they have to be uh, just effeminate men who exchange sexual favours for protection. Um, doesn't matter to Bond, Bond of course. A, you established um, that. A mouth's a mouth. What, what's it called when they get a little caravan and they get to go have 20 minutes with the... Uh, Conjugal rights. Yeah, does Bond do any of that? Um, yes. strings with money pennies? Uh, with money, money pennies, penny, like... yeah. she She's there to slip him some information, but he slips ah. her his uh, sausage. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she's thrilled about it, because it's, 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 it's what she's always wanted, and... He's like, look, I mean, I, I wouldn't under normal circumstances, but I've not seen a woman in six months. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been shagging I'll... men for six months. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, you know, these people they they have sex with Bond for protection. <laughs> this is very loose Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they have sex with Bond for protection, but obviously he doesn't hold up that end of the bargain, as we all know. All the Bond girls end up dead. That's a standard uh, trait. So. Uh, We'll have to have his uh, bottom bitch get killed at some point. Um, no. <clears throat> no? Leave him alive so they can sort of awkwardly spill over into a future Bond <laughs> film when he's out of prison. <laughs> yes. And he's very, like, crash crash a wedding or something. Like, really embarrassing. <laughs> uh, now, we have to reveal the villain. Uh, now, the villain behind all of this is um, we find out when Bond goes to see the warden. And the warden is this sort of mysterious man. He's wearing a grey suit. He's got a white cap. Uh, on his desk, there's like a name plate that says Mr. Blofeld, and that's like crossed out and says Mr. Smith above it. Um, because, you know, uh, Bond has no idea who this is. Uh, he thinks it's the real warden. Um, but then he lets slip something about putting all the British intelligence agents in prison so that they can't foil his plans. And Bond realizes it's actually Blofeld! No, didn't, didn't see that coming, did you? No, I actually didn't. <laughs> you thought he was dead. <laughs> he was not. Mm. So, uh, Blofeld tries to uh, buy Bond off uh, by giving him a cushy job in the kitchens, hmm. uh, which is actually a delicatessen <laughs> in stainless steel. Oh! <laughs> not, not relevant. Um, <laughs> uh, Bond's feel a bit sorry for himself, but he finds a quantum solace in remembering that his, his dead wife... <laughs> And, uh, you know, nostalgic memories. He looks at the ring that, he, you know, he took back from her. Um, he's been keeping that in his rectum for safekeeping. 
But, you know, every now and then he has to take it out, wash it off, have a little look at it. Uh, but just then, <clears throat> what his cellmate comes in, and his cellmate just happens to be like an expert jewel thief, cat burglar, <laughs> like they had in the 60s. Uh, I'd like him to be played by David Niven. I think that's, sort of, that's the sort of person you're aiming <laughs> for. Sort of a raffles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he takes one look at this ring and he goes, oh, that's not even a real diamond. It's just cut glass. And Bond's very annoyed at this. He's like, damn it, I bought this in good faith from a Turkish bazaar for five dollars. <laughs> Thought it was a good shit. Um, uh, so uh so uh deciding to escape, he can use this to his advantage. He uses his kitchen job to get access to the guard's food, grinds mm. down the glass diamond ring into powdered glass, which he oh. puts in their food. They mm. all get severe internal bleeding and die. Um, Blofeld escapes in a helicopter or something. And then the MI5 regulars all escape and get back to normal life and get back into the next film where we've got a bit more money. Right. Uh, Calvin? Right. How did I, mi- I did I miss, sorry, did I miss any kind of classic Bond elements that I needed? We could have one of the guards who's like a funny sheriff character. No, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Great. Who's like after him all yeah. the time. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh... Uh, Bond no, I, I think Bond. you've got everything. Yeah, I think, I think so. a sheriff okay. is all that's missing, oh, that's or good. some well, like goofy done. like it can be. If it comes before Live and Let Die, it can be Sheriff Pepper's uh, first job or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he does such a good job, he gets promoted to sheriff because that's how it works. <laughs> um, all right, Calvin, right. what have you got? For right, us? Um, have have you ever seen Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? <laughs> yes. I'm I'm aware of it. I've seen it parodied on uh, ah. South Park. Okay, so you would know then that uh, the premise Bond's of the show is that for... five, <laughs> five, five, Golden Eye, five? Queer Eye for the Golden Eye, <laughs> Golden Eye for the Straight Guy. Okay, uh, well you will know that there are five um, homosexual gentlemen who head over to a straight man's house and then proceed to teach him about things that he doesn't really know. So there's a guy who does grooming, a guy that does interior design, <laughs> a guy that does fashion, a guy that does food and wine, and a guy that does culture. So <laughs> I just want to be I just want to there's nothing reductive and sort of uh, undignified about this program, is there? Hey, it's get, it's getting a Netflix uh, reboot. So it must be okay. Sounds like a it's, lot of... uh, At the time, it was like a big thing, wasn't it? Because like, gay people were getting to be on TV in a mainstream hmm. capacity. Was Will and Grace on around the same yeah, time? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was part of that wave of uh, gay acceptance. Well, didn't it turn out only TV. one of them was really gay? The the red Indian one? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I want. I, well, I need, first of all, I need, I need a catchier title because uh, my title for my um, fly on the wall documentary series. Queer fly for the straight guy. Uh, oh no! Uh, well, it was queer eye for the straight fictional guy, but it's not quite a snappy <laughs> title. Witty, very witty. <laughs> so, um, where, where, where is the connection with diamonds are forever? You ask. Well, I have Mr. Winter, Mr. Kid as my grooming guys. So they're in charge of. They, they, I mean, they know how to look good. You can't, exactly. You can't argue with that. <laughs> so next up One we does have. Hair. <laughs> next up we have fashion, and I've given that role to Kurt Hummel, who was the gay one from Glee, and then we have interior <laughs> design. <lost> interior <laughs> design. Isn't Bond good at all this stuff anyway? He definitely knows his wine. Is he the well, wine expert? 
Well, food and wine, I have Scar from The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, he acts all camp and stuff, so I guess. Yeah, but doesn't he eat mice? <laughs> so we've got parrots. a talking lion who's animated. <laughs> yeah, interacting with Bond. For uh, that's, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna make the whole thing like the budget double. Uh, <laughs> like who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Wayland Smithers as the interior design guy. <laughs> and then finally okay. for culture, we have Albus Dumbledore. So Are these um. Famous Are these gays. like all just famous fictional gay like, characters? But but is is Smithers animated or is it like a weird live action? Yeah, he's animated on him. Right. He's just who he is. Yeah. So, so can you think like of any other CGI realistic scar? No, 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 no. Just just, just a Wayland Smithers as we know him. It's like that music video from the nineties where the cat dances. At the <laughs> now, um, I've, I've so, only got... wait, 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 wait. Sol, can you think of any more fictional gays? Uh, I think we it was actually it. really Cause, difficult cause, to do this. Like, well, one of it's, it's one of Calvin's picks on is our Scar, society. so obviously he couldn't think of any. <laughs> it's a certain type in our society that there aren't more prominent LGBT. Uh, LeFou, specifically in the live-action version of Beauty <laughs> and the Beast, but not explicitly in any way within the film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only got my uh, pilot pitch here, so you know. What about the? The one out of Little Mermaid. Uh, uh, Ursula. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It got to be she was. I mean, she was more Based on gay divine. than Scar. Yeah, she exactly. Was, mm, she was, she was actually designed to be like, like gay. Kind of, I mean, I don't mm. like not explicitly, but she was ba- like Scar. I think it's just Jeremy Irons is a bit camp, but. but uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't think he'd appreciate Jeremy it anyway. He's not, a big fan of, he's not a big fan of the gays, is he, Jeremy Irons? <laughs> so anyway, I've, I've got my pilot. He, he wasn't He wasn't happy when they got the right to marry, I remember that. Uh, yeah, they're no, going to marry their... What if a man marries his son to avoid inheritance tax, eh? <laughs> Where will or a end? dog. Men marrying cows. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got my, uh, my pitch for a pilot episode here. Um, where the uh, the Fab Five, as they're called, um, Winton Kid counters one. We've, we've <laughs> secured Doc Brown as our straight guy. So Doc we're gonna, Brown. <laughs> we're gonna get all of the Scott. guys over to Doc Brown's <laughs> Hang house. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> yes. Where does James Bond come into this? <laughs> he doesn't. This is a spin-off with Winton Kid. <laughs> So this is what I'm doing. Could you How do hard is it to grasp? Mr. Wind and Mr. Kid, Waylon Smithers, Kurt Hummel, Scar from the Lion King, and Dumbledore go to Doc Brown's house to give him fashion, grooming, and interior design advice. So at some point they'll fire up the DeLorean because Doc Brown will be all like, oh, you gay people, I don't know, you you go on your gay pride marches and all that, and uh, you've all got rights now. Why do you even need these things? And they'll be like, well, Doc... Let's get in the time machine and we'll show you why. So they'll go in the time machine back to, like, the 40s when gays were being persecuted and then Doc Brown will learn his lesson and then he'll uh, get his manicure and his hair done and he'll really impress Mary Steenburgen. (laughs) Do you need to go back in time to find gays being oppressed? (laughs) Um, Good point, actually. Maybe Dumbledore can just teleport them. (laughs) That's my pitch. 
<laughs> what was Scar's job again? <laughs> Food and wine. <laughs> but he likes a tasty mouse. <laughs> the shadow end of the meat. gene pool. The, the hyenas. <laughs> are, yeah. He eats everything in the Pride Lands, so he must know something. <laughs> well, no, he's not discerning. That's the point. It'll, it'll, that Anything the light touches, you can eat. <laughs> You're better um, off getting about... uh, Timon in on that. He'll he'll curate a nice selection of bugs. Uh, what couldn't you? Couldn't we retool this as um, uh, Bond's eye for the Bond guy, and you get five Bonds to criticize the other Bond? How many bonds? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's actually a much better idea than what I suggested. And so they all they all have to give bond advice to the new bond. There's a limited amount of episodes you'll get out of it, though. <laughs> and, they, and so, which okay, so based on that idea, which bonds would be the expertise of which categories? What's Moore's bond particularly good at? Uh, hmm. grooming. Because Con- Connery's definitely good with the wine. Fancy dress. We know that. Yeah, I think Connery's yeah. got that down. Yeah. Uh, I think Moore could do grooming. Groom- or maybe fashion, oh, actually, because yeah. he can rock a safari suit. Oh, yeah. What about um, Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Okay. She's um... an iconic gay character. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> um, That's why I watched Buffy when I was a kid, because I was looking out for some lesbian action on the show. I watched it for Alison Hannigan, no doubt about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, what would would Daniel Craig's Bond be particularly good at? Fighting. He's got to be like physical fitness, right? Yeah. Getting buff. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't he be the, he'd be good at teaching American accents because he's so good at that as we'll see in a few weeks' time. Was that an American accent in Tomb Raider? I was going to ask that. <laughs> Let's leave it. We'll come on to it later. We'll come on to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was Lazenby's Bond good at then? Commitment. <laughs> yes. Love. He teaches them love. Okay, so they all teach Connery <laughs> how to Treat women properly? <laughs> We've got to teach him to... Look, no, he's, stop hitting them. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Alright, is that it? Should we wrap it up? What's, what about Captain Hook when Dustin Hoffman played him? I was actually thinking about Captain Hook instead of um, Scar, but it seemed like a bit of a joke to give the food and wine role to someone who can't hold a knife and fork. <laughs> Disablest. So give it to someone who has no. Wait, wait. So digits. give it to someone without. I thought it was about the character without opposable thumbs not being. Able. It took me a while to oh, realize what you meant. That's a good point. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diminishing Returns, and please do check out our website dimreturns.com for more reviews, hints of upcoming episodes, and our combined top 100 movies list. You might be very surprised with what is currently at number one. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already, and leave us a positive review if you can spare the time so that more people like yourself can find and enjoy the show. Thanks again for listening, and join us again next week when we look at the Tomb Raider franchise.